You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, the Daily Missouri. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about the church, you can reach us at www.bethelassembly.info. Today, I want to take a close look at something that oftentimes we will try to hide, something that we try to mask, something that we try to keep from anybody and everybody we can. I want to talk today about addiction. But I'm not just talking about alcohol. I'm not just talking about drugs or any of the typicals. I'm talking about anything. By definition, addiction is this, the state of being enslaved to a habit or a practice. Today, I want to talk about those things in your life that for some reason or another, you find yourself enslaved to them. You can't seem to function in life or really move very far along without it grabbing a hold of you once again. You can't seem to live without it. You see, addiction is that thing in your life that you have a a love-hate relationship with. You hate so much that it's a part of your life. And every time you you step into that addiction, you feel regret, you feel grief, you feel sorrow. You're so angry at yourself. You're frustrated with yourself. It's that love-hate relationship. You hate that it's part of your life, but for some reason or another, you keep running back to it time and time again. You don't know why, but for some reason or another, it's... It's entangled you, enslaved you, entrapped you, and you can't seem to function without it. Maybe you feel a little bit like Paul. I love what Paul says in the book of Romans. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Paul says, I really don't get it at all. I haven't really wrapped myself around this. The very thing that I know that I shouldn't do is the very thing that I end up doing, even though I know that deep down inside of me it's not right. For some reason or another, in that love-hate relationship, I find myself returning to it day in and, and day out or even on a regular occurrence. The Bible tells us that a fool returns to his foolishness like a dog does to his vomits. This is what Paul is talking about. He says, I really don't understand. Maybe that's you. Maybe you can relate a little bit to Paul. Many of us can. That very thing that that you do, you know you don't want to do, but for some reason or another, you find yourself doing it anyway. It's almost as if there's two me's on the inside of you that are battling against one another, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The side of you that, that doesn't want to dive into that addiction, that thing that's enslaved you and entrapped you, and the side of you that says, that's really what I want. And there's a battle back and forth. So what's the answer to the, the frustration and the guilt and the condemnation or even feeling trapped? What's the answer to this? Or is there even an answer? Today I want to look at two steps. Two steps to removing the baggage of addiction. Are we ready for that this morning? I want you to listen very carefully. And again, let me put this out there. I'm not just talking about drugs and alcohol. I'm not just talking about pornography. I'm talking about maybe for you, it's you work too much. 
You're addicted to work. Maybe for you, it's, it's Facebook. It's like a bunch of cattle out there. Maybe for you, it's Netflix or Hulu or a hobby. What is that thing? Fishing. I got some of your attention right there. What is that thing that for some reason or another, it's got you so entrapped that you can't seem to function in life, you can't seem to move on, and you justify your action every time you do it? Well, I don't do it as much as so-and-so does. Look at the definition of addiction again. The state of being enslaved to a habit or a practice. Two steps. The very first one is any person that's ever gone through any sort of addiction program is, is the number one thing you look at. You've got to identify the problem. In other words, you've got to first off admit that you've got an issue. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got an issue. Look back at him and again say, and it's not me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Identify the problem. Identify what's happening in your life. Now, go back to Romans chapter 7. Here we've got Paul speaking. He says this. So the trouble is not with the law. It's not keeping the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. The trouble is happening right here. I am far too human. I'm a slave to sin, this habit, this addiction, this problem in my life. You see, before you can ever get victory in your life, you've got to admit you've got a problem. Boy, it got real quiet real quick in here. But look what Paul says. He says that the problem is with me. Now, society as we know it right now is going to say, oh, dear, the problem's not with you. It's, it's your upbringing. It's your neighborhood. It's your economic status. It's your race. It's this. It's that. Society is going to say, you need to blame somebody else because it's surely not your fault. That's hooey. That's the original Greek word for all the hooey. That's foolishness. Paul says, here's the problem, it's me. I am far too enslaved, I'm far too trapped, I've allowed myself to come into this moment and now I'm trapped in it. It's not someone else's fault, it's it's my fault and now I've got to deal with it. Galatians chapter 5 says this, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the spiritual nature. There's a conflict happening on the inside. The the spiritual nature and the old fleshly guy are battling with one another. This guy wants what is right, and this guy wants to involve itself in the sin. And suddenly there's a battle raging on the inside. They are in conflict with each other so that you don't, do not do what you want. I've shared this with you before, but let me say it again. Someone once asked me, Pastor, how do I know which one of these is going to survive? The, the spirit man or the old fleshly man? Here's the answer. The one that you feed. Listen to me this morning. 
The one that you feed is going to be the one that survives. You feed that spiritual man. You dive into the word of God. You spend time with God. You, you commune with him. You really let his word digest inside of you. Hide his word in your heart that you might not sin. Come on, that's the Bible right there. You might not sin against him. But if you keep feeding that old, old lifestyle, it's going to keep coming back, coming back, coming back, wanting more and more. And before you know it, that's the side that's going to win. There's this new nature that's given to us by God, the spiritual man when you become a Christian. It wants to do what is right. It wants to do what pleases God, to live for God. But the Bible says you also have that old spiritual or that old sinful man longing to do what is contrary to the word of God. But here's what I've discovered. Sin wants to dominate your life and my life. Addiction, the state of being enslaved to a habit or a practice. Romans chapter 7 that we're looking at this morning, Paul in 12 verses, 12 short verses, uses the word I 27 times. He says, I've got a problem. I do what I know that I shouldn't do, but I do it anyway. Paul's got an I problem. It's a problem of self. My old nature is continually wanting to do what is wrong, but the new nature wants to do what's right. And the Bible says they're at conflict with one another. Look at James chapter 4. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Do they come from the evil desires at war within you? Then down in verse 4, he says this. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Wow, come on, look at that. Friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Of God. Listen carefully. Your old nature, as it stands, will never change. You can't whip it into shape. You can't discipline it enough. You can't, by your own willpower, change it. As long as you live on this earth, you're going to face some of those old desires. So how do we learn to, to win the battle that's raging on the inside? By the way, the Bible says the battle's not ours anyway. So we're trying to fight something that's not ours to fight. The battle's not ours to, to fight, but the battle is his. And by the way, he's already won, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. As I look at this battle that's raging on the inside between the spirit man and the old sinful man, it causes a couple of things to occur. Number one is confusion. Paul says, I really don't understand myself. I, I just can't wrap myself around it. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Have you ever said that? I don't know about you, but that's comforting for me. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament... He didn't understand what was happening in his life. 
In fact, he has two perplexing questions. How can I stop doing bad things? And how can I start doing good things? That's a fair question. How can I stop doing all this junk? And how can I start doing what is pleasing to God? He says, I just can't seem to do what is right. How many times have you started your day out with the best intentions in the world? Today's going to be different. Today is going to be so much different than yesterday. Today, I'm going to travel on this right path. Today, I'm going to do what pleases God. But before you know it, before 9.30 in the morning, you've already blown it. And you say, I just don't understand myself at all. Man, I got out of bed this morning. I thought, today is the day. Today is the day that I'm going to walk tall. Today is the day I'm going to take big strides with God. Today is my day of victory. And for some reason or another, that old sinful man creeps up and goes, but what about? And you're like, oh, yeah. And you fall. Confusion begins to set in. The second thing I see is this, frustration. Man, you get so frustrated with yourself. Why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep returning to that junk? I hate it in my life. I'm tired of it in my life, but I keep going back to it. And you get more and more frustrated. Paul says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. He says, I've got great intentions, but I just can't seem to pull everything together. Nothing seems to change. I've discovered something. The definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. But how often is that exactly what we do? Today's going to be different, but the problem is we don't do anything different. Doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. The third thing that I see is fatigue. There's confusion. There's frustration. And now the fatigue sets in. Paul says it this way, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? The word wretched in the Greek literally means worn out from exhaustion. It means that I have fought such an intense battle that I'm absolutely worn out. There's not anything else for me to give. And that's where a lot of Christians find themselves, unfortunately. Because they've tried so hard on their own accounts. I can do this. I'm going to press forward. Today's going to be different. I'm I'm going to make a change today. I'm going to make a difference today. And we push hard, and we push hard, and we push hard, and we're just worn out. We find ourselves stumbling once again. We're out of energy. We're we're tired. We're just worn out. Been fighting the battle so long and just can't seem to find the victory. Paul makes that statement. He says, God, I can't change What a wretched, miserable man I am. But then he goes on to say this. 
Who will rescue me? And I love watching this moment of transition. Something happens between chapter 7 and chapter 8 that really is like a game changer for all of us. You see, you've got to identify the problem. I've got an issue. The struggle is not what's happening here. The struggle is here. There's something I've got to deal with. I've got to work through. So you identify the problem. And then we see our second step. You accept the solution. Accept the solution. Look at this. The very beginning of verse 24, he says, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this corpse of death? And now he goes on to say this. Thank God. (laughs) The answer is not in me trying harder. The answer is not in, in me saying the right thing or... Or having the right thoughts. The answer is not in me connecting with the right person. But thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then it goes on into chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is, here's the really good news for a lot of you. There's no condemnation. (laughs) See, I really thought that a a bunch of mess-ups would get excited there. I bet this must be the really spiritual crowd that never stumbles, but all right. I got excited. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Who will rescue this wretched man? Who will rescue this guy that just can't seem to get it all together? Who will rescue this individual that is enslaved, entrapped in this sinful nature? Who will rescue this guy that can't seem to win the battle over that old lifestyle? Oh, but thanks be to God. (laughs) The answer is Jesus Christ. And, And when I accept him, There is now no condemnation. That's grace. That's a love that never runs out. You see, Paul identifies the problem that causes us to be confused, to be frustrated, to be worn out. Then he cries out in agony, who will deliver me? Then all of a sudden, he discovers the solution to his problem. It's not In himself, the the solution is in Christ and allowing Christ to take residence inside of him. Hmm. Come on. Greater is he that is in me. If the great one is not in you, then you're going to continue to have this battle. But when you let the one that is greater than all else enter into you to come in to you... Come on, somebody. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Suddenly, there's a solution that takes charge of my being, that takes charge of who I am. As I relinquish control and give it to him, we find our answer. I have a young lady in our church that that has been where many of you maybe are today. And I want you to take just a moment. I want you to hear her testimony. This is Kina. As a freshman, I was on the cheerleading squad. I played softball and soccer. However, drinking and smoking pot stole my attention 
introducing me to a whole new group of friends. By the time I was 16 years old, I was deep into my addiction and remember very distinctly my mother telling me, without Christ, you have three things to look forward to, jails, institutions, and death. My addiction grew heavier and deeper. At the age of 18, while attending cosmetology school, I was in a drinking and driving accident only a block from my house. On the 4th of July of the following year, I had gotten into trouble with the law. I was taken into custody for first degree burglary and assault. My addiction had progressed so much more. By the age of 20, I was highly addicted to meth and several other substances. At one point, I remember looking into the mirror, being able to count my ribs. Weighing only 77 pounds, my body was physically dying. Fairly shortly after, I entered myself into rehab. We, as patients, we were assigned a chaplain, and he, they, they asked us for our beliefs, and I had told him, and he looked at me while I was sobbing, and he said, you know, you just, you need to go into the room, and you need to get on your hands and knees, and you need to repent towards the, for, to the Lord. And so I did that very thing. The Lord has set me free from my guilt and shame. There's never a time when I look back on my life and the choices that I had made and, and live in guilt and shame. Like I feel that I literally can just, I sincerely move on. I am now 27. And I am so thankful that the Lord has given me another chance at life. I am able to be a wife to my husband and a mother to my children. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Now, did you see the transition occur in Kina's life? It wasn't until the moment that she accepted the solution. It wasn't until the moment that she surrendered completely to God, the one that holds her future in his hand. Then and only then did she begin to see the change. She said now she lives guilt-free. Now she's able to live beyond the shame. She's able to move forward with God. Why? Because she made the choice to accept the solution to embrace God. So I want to give you very quickly the benefits of accepting Christ. Number one, we can live life without condemnation. We read the scripture a moment ago. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. With him, we can live without condemnation. So, so what are the conditions to a condemnation-free life? What are the conditions? What do you have to do? Well, there's not any conditions. It's not, if you're perfect, then you won't have any condemnation. Or if you keep all the rules, if you checkmark everything off, then everything's going to be great. No, that's how, not how this works. His grace is sufficient for you. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ 
as your Lord and Savior. Look at John chapter 3, verse 17. Now, a lot of times we read John 3, 16. And most of us, many of us in the room can probably quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Most of us can quote some translation of that verse. But look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be, say it with me, God sent Jesus not to to point that ruggedy old finger at him. Wow, how many people remember church in those days? Wow, I, I remember growing up. You couldn't wear shorts. Yeah. I'm just telling you, these legs need to shine. I'm just all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, maybe this, these legs do shine. That's why I shouldn't wear shorts. Maybe that's what it is. No, but there's so many things. You get this pointy finger. You can't do that. You shouldn't do that. You can't do this. And you end up following this rule or this structure, and you thought, I can't really even move on. And by the way, we're going to talk more about that next week. You need to be here. But here it says that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. That's the grace of God. Romans 8.1 doesn't say, now there's no more mistakes. It doesn't say, now there's no more sin. It doesn't say, now there's no more failures. We still sin. We still fall short. We still make mistakes. But are we condemned? No. Because the grace of God sets in. Your condemnation was taken care of 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. Now, does that mean that it's free reign? You can just do anything you want, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and live like the world? No. You see, Jesus said the greatest command is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? That means if you really, really love God, then you're going to want to do what pleases God. It's not a matter of checkmarking things, but it's a desire, a heart issue. God, I want to be what you'd have me to be. I surrender myself to you. We can live free of condemnation. Look at the second. We can live a life of victory. Romans 8, 3 says, He, God, sent His Son, Jesus, in a body Like our body, we sinners have. And in that body, God declared, there it is, he declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. God declared an end to the bondage, an end to the addiction, an end to the stronghold in your life. God gave you a way out. God declared an end of sin's control. But so often we get stuck in the idea that sin has a hold on us and we just can't get past it. I want you to remember something this morning. Because of the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross, the connection that old dead corpse has on you is no longer there. You are free. Paul says, who will free me from this old lifestyle? Who will free this wretched man from this dead corpse? The answer is Jesus Christ. Then I love this one. Another benefit of accepting Christ into your life, you can live a life of connection. A little later in Romans chapter 8, he begins to make a list 
Can this separate us from God's love? Can this separate us from God's love? How about that and, and, and calamities and problems and struggles and habits and all of these other things? Can any of this separate us from God's love? And then in Romans eight thirty eight it says, I am convinced, not I think, not maybe, not if I'm good enough, but he says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Did you see that? I am convinced. Man, to convince us takes a lot, doesn't it? Especially when just a few verses earlier, he's saying, I don't understand it all. It doesn't make a bit of sense to me. I'm doing what I know that I shouldn't do, and I, I can't seem to do what I know that I should do, and, and I'm really frustrated, I'm discouraged, I'm, I'm aggravated, I, I feel condemnation, I feel all this other junk in my life, I don't know what to do, but here's what I figured out. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Savior, and I'm convinced that nothing at all can ever separate us from God's love. Paul says, despite all the junk Despite all the things that this old fleshly side desires, not only is overwhelming victory ours, but I'm convinced that nothing will ever separate me from his love. And then he says this, we can live a life with peace. Sin cannot control my life anymore unless I choose to allow it. Listen carefully. Oh, well, pastor, I gave my life back to Christ in 1983. By midpoint 83, I was already struggling again. Which side are you feeding? Which side are you pouring into? You can live a life with peace. I hear people say this, well, I just couldn't help myself. If you're a Christian, that's not true because you have the... the, The saving power of Jesus Christ on your side, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, is the same power that's available to you. Look at Romans 8, verse 5 and 6. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Makes sense? Those that allow themselves to be filled up with the sinful thoughts and sinful lifestyle, that's what's going to radiate. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about that which pleases the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life. And here it is, peace. Some of you haven't lived in peace for years. Because here's the issue. You haven't really begun to let the Spirit lead you. You've got this battle raging. And for one reason or another, you keep going back to that old lifestyle. Maybe because that's what's comfortable. As much as you hate it. I hear addicts tell me all the time. They'll say, I don't know why I keep going back to that, but that's what I know. It's been a part of my life for the last 23 years. That's my, that's my comfort zone. But can I just tell you, that's what's killing you. Allowing that old sinful nature to lead your life will lead to death. For the wages of sin is 
death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You say, I just can't get past this. I can't get to peace. It's time to trade that old addiction. It's time to trade that old nature. Trade it in and let the Spirit begin to lead you today. And finally, I've discovered that we can live a life free from baggage. If you're a Christian, guess what? You're on the winning team. It's kind of like gym class when you were a kid. Suddenly the two captains are up there and they're choosing team. You're on Jesus' team. Do you remember in grade school when they were choosing, even in junior high and high school, they were choosing teams and you thought, man, if John would just choose me, that's the team that's going to win. Yeah? And you got chosen by John and you're like, man, we're going all the way today. Come on. Man, God's already called you by name. He's already, he's already made a way for you. It's your choice today to say, all right, I accept the call. I'm joining your team. Because Romans 8.31 says this, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? I know some of you right now are going, well, Satan's against us. It doesn't matter. Satan loses. The loser's against you. That's what it is. Who cares? You've got God on your side. Verse 6 says that you're under no obligation to do what that sinful nature desires anymore. You are not connected to that addiction any longer. You're not connected to that old lifestyle. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. One of the most important lessons that we can learn as a Christian is that you cannot live life in your own power. Paul says, I've got a problem. I keep doing what I know I shouldn't do. I want to do right, but I just can't do it. What is the answer? Jesus. He didn't say, I'm the answer, but Jesus is the answer. So let me ask you this morning, what is your struggle? What is your addiction? Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's anger. What is your addiction? What is that problem that you're facing? What is it? What is that thing that, that distances you from God? What is it you need to give up this morning? I remind you, Paul said in verse 25, for the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Some of you this morning are thinking to yourself, how in the world can I ever live this Christian life? I want to do what is right, but I just can't seem to get past this baggage and this junk that I'm dealing with. You've been trying to discipline it by yourself. You've been trying in your willpower, with your determination. You make promises after promises, and you fail every time. You're frustrated. You're aggravated. The only way, the only way to victory is through Jesus Christ. And I ask you today, are you ready to give up that baggage? A pastor, 
is all I've known my entire life. I've been carrying this thing around for the longest time. I mean, it's been part of my life for so long that my name is on it. I mean, I identified with this. The life that is led by the old sinful nature is a life ending in death. It's time to trade in that baggage. It's time to say, no more Satan. Because greater is he that's in me. I don't, I don't need that baggage. 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 I don't need any of this baggage. What I need is God. For the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. ask you today are you ready to trade it in in this room today there's a wide array of baggage just like on this stage some of you today as you're here this is your baggage you're like it's not bad I can carry this around like a 1980s jukebox jam box or whatever I got this I'm good what happens is this baggage becomes this baggage and it grows and it grows maybe you're here and your baggage is small today maybe you're here and you're carrying like seven of these bags and you're trying to carry it through but it's just not working you're stumbling you're falling you're 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 frustrated you're aggravated you feel the condemnation and the guilt today's the day to trade it in 